Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Cam Miller, Pro Football Focus in a moment. But first, our play by play call of the day a dramatic game winner in OT for the Penguins. And McKinnon tried to go to the net, stick check on him. The Penguins have it. Here's Tanner back with Lafferty. They come two on two. Tanner still with it, crisscrossing, moving in, and shooting, scoring! Brandon Tanner will get the game winner in overtime! And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. The shorthander by Brandon Tanner. Great goal, great moment. You heard him mention Lafferty in there. You know where Lafferty's from, Sean Lafferty, who played on that line? He's from Hollidaysburg. He's a local kid. How about that? It's not as exciting as hearing he's from Turbotville, but that's all right. We tracked down some of the negative comments, by the way, in the podcast. Oh, more? There's there's more? Well, they're all from the same email address. Oh, you know, you keep reaching into the bag of trip, you know, bag of chips. You know, you, you can't eat just one. You know, Got to comment more than once. I think it's a cry for help. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> and we're more than willing to send him away to get some. All right, so <laughs> let's bring in Cam Miller, Pro Football Focus. Hello, Cam. How have you been? Great to have you back. Appreciate it. And Patrick Wobb bringing me back to my old days of playing video games and NHL hits when Peter Forsberg was on the on the game and my favorite team to play with, the Avs. Uh, Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick, okay? Patrick Waugh, they were Stanley Cup champs. My, my wife's from Denver and was a big Avs fan growing up, so yeah. I, I can't you can't blame her. Yeah, absolutely. All those nights at the Pepsi Center. All right, so let's uh, get to uh, let's start with Robert Windsor. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to see he was going to grade out well, but what were some of the elements that went into that top grade for you? Oh, I mean, it's just it's the moments that he eats up a double team and still puts pressure on a quarterback, or eats up a double team and still gets his arm out there to stop the, a lane in the rushing attack. I mean, you're gonna you get two sacks. Sacks are a bit noisy, so I look elsewhere and I see four other total pressures. Uh, the guy was just basically all over the field, and seemingly anytime you hit 85 plus, but 90 overall, and a pass rushing grade, pass for any facet on defense, you're doing something well. And it's just, I mean, that's a testament. Those are all positive grades. I don't think he had a negative grade in the in the performance against Iowa. In fact, also in your uh, top four among defensive tackles was PJ Mustafer. What put him there, Cam? Uh, that again, that looks like it's just a run defense. He didn't add too much in the pass rushing game. Um, but it's run defense when you're when you're the other side, the other interior side. Yeah. And you're putting up multiple stops as well on you know fewer fewer plays, but four defensive stops. We do it a little bit differently than tackles for for a loss or sure. no gain. Even they're they're you know keeping the offense to half the distance to gain on first, half the distance on second, and then keeping them off the you know from a first down or touchdown on third and fourth down. So four of those to keep the offense off schedule in run defense alone is a big facet, especially for a team like Iowa that has to move the ball on the ground. 
Jaquan Brisker came up with his first career interception, but that's not the only reason he would be grading as high as he did. What else did you see? There was a couple other forced incompletions just because of uh, tight coverage for him. I think that's really what it is. When you're when you're roaming the field and you're able to force incompletions on passes that aren't targeted to you, that just it, it, that speaks to the the testament of your ability and coverage and your knowledge of a defense. Uh, but also sticking his nose in there, there's a there's a fumble as well that he's causing. He did have a missed tackle, so I think his grade could have been even bigger without a missed tackle on on one attempt. But other than that, I mean, it's a solid outing across the field. Uh, there are some people that, that, at least privately, had said to me, said, well, I don't really feel like Tariq Castro-Fields played well. And I sit down and look at the pro football. That, that's what they told me. I thought he played really well. And then I saw your pro football focus grades, and Tariq Castro-Fields played very well in your grade out. Yes. I, you know, I don't hate it at all. When, I mean, I think when you allow basically half the yards or, you know, a lot of the yards on, on one completion, 36-yard catch, that's going to stand out to everybody else. But sure. you're forgetting forgetting the, the seven other times he was the primary coverage defender and allowing just three of those catches and only 12 yards after the catch as well. So limiting – they have some pretty fast and pretty speedy dudes uh, at Iowa. You know, if, if Nate Finley could get them the ball a little bit better, I think they could have a little bit more bigger bigger stat lines out there. But, yeah, Castro Fields, I mean, he's – He's been sticky in coverage all season long for us by our grading standpoint. This was just another one of those one of those outings. And it also looks like Lamont Wade's been consistently grading out uh, for you. Uh, what are some of the elements that have gone into his grade? Sure, tackling. That's yeah. uh, roaming roaming the field and the slot. You're going to have to contend with a big tight end to a running back to a shifty slot receiver, and for him to kind of be able to do what he's been able to do and limit missed tackles across the board. Obviously, against Iowa, they're a huge slot-targeting team on offense as well. Get the ball across the middle of the field, you know, four, five, seven, eight, nine yards down the field, no further than 10 yards. And, I mean, no yak, basically, on 10 targeted passes from him in coverage. Uh, it, it's great. I mean, that's a stellar game overall. Obviously, he made those headlines by, by the shirt, the undershirt that was taken. That's how I first saw him on Saturday. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it, it's, cover, it's coverage for him, but also that shirt tackling, I mean, Tackling is a completely understated defensive element because everybody thinks you should be able to do it, and uh, it's not that easy. Neither was on your all all uh, Big Ten for the team week deal, but they're still uh, evidently graded out very well. The two freshman running backs, not just Noah Kane, but also in the limited time Devin Ford was in there. What allowed them to grade out as well as they did? Those are going to be moments of times, you know, running backs. They, they're we're, we're a bit harder on running backs, and I think we should be maybe sometimes. Uh, but in order to grade out well, and it's what we're doing here, multiple yards after contact and then forcing missed tackles. So, you know, speaking to Kane specifically, yeah. eight of them. So 22 carries and eight broken tackles. Anytime you're anywhere upwards of 25% of your carries you're breaking a tackle on, you're doing something well and you're going to have pretty good grades, and that's reflective in Kane. But also, you know, 4.6 yards per attempt, but, you know, gaining over three of those after contact, you know, that that's a way to, to avoid subpar run blocking that sometimes you see as a runner. And to be able to do it on your own, that, that's really where our grades will stand out. Right. Uh, let's get to Michigan for a moment. Shea Patterson. How has Shea Patterson graded out for you so far this year? Jim Harbaugh says, said in his press conference, and look, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm saying this too, because he said, look, my quarterback has been the best quarterback in every game they've played in. Now, they've played Army, Middle Tennessee State, Wisconsin with Jack Cohn. You know, last week, of course, yeah, they played Rutgers. He's better than Robinson. So, I mean, I get that, but what's the reality of how he's played? He, he hasn't stepped on the field against Justin Fields, uh, Michael Penix, Tanner Morgan, 
uh, even Sean Clifford at this point because we have Patterson down uh, in eighth overall among Big Ten quarterbacks, which we were singing his praises last year as the best returning quarterback in the conference, and he just kind of hasn't made us look all that smart, so to speak. I, I, what is dinging his grade, though, are those fumbles that he had. I mean, I think it was three straight games and he had a fumble in the first quarter on the first drive alone. Uh, so anytime you're doing that and putting the ball in harm's way without even throwing the ball, it's it's troublesome. So I, he has put it together, and but I think you mentioned it, Harbaugh. We love Harbaugh here. Harbaugh's a friend, uh, so we, we we do like what he's saying there. I maybe do agree with him, but because of the reason you say, hasn't seen really top notch quarterback right. play, and you know hasn't seen Clifford yet. Well, no, and again, if I'm if I'm Jim Harbaugh and people are questioning my quarterback, I am going to defend him like that. So I re- I respect what Jim Harbaugh said because he's backing up his guy. Yeah, if you're not backing up your right. guy, what are you doing? Why are you throwing exactly. it out there? Exactly, you're exactly right, Cam. Defensively, eh, when you look at the, the Michigan defensive grades to the season, and obviously they've got some guys who are going to grade out highly, who falls into that category? Like Hutchinson, for example, Uche, who would fall into that category? So my, my favorite on the team, their highest graded is, is Quiddy Pay, but Amory Thomas. Their yeah. lockdown corner, yeah. I put out something on him a, a little bit ago. He's actually allowed the lowest pass rating into his primary coverage among any Power 5 corner. Uh, it's up there with, with the best at all of FBS, but 21 times he's been targeted as that guy, but you know, he allowed just nine catches, and he's made uh, four total plays on the ball, but he's got five more forced incompletions with tight coverage uh, or forcing his receiver out of bounds. And so you know, when you're forcing more incompletions and you're allowing catches and coverage, that's pretty awesome. So, I mean, a 10.7 passer rating when he is the primary target or the primary coverage defender in coverage. I mean, for those that don't know and maybe aren't, aren't, too, aren't too familiar with that, we use the NFL passer rating formula. And so a quarterback, just for simply throwing the ball in the dirt, gets a 39.6. So you're better off just throwing the ball or spiking it than throwing at Thomas at this point uh, through seven, seven weeks. Right. Uh, what about Josh Metellus? I think I, he has shown up on the Big Ten team a couple times early in the season. Yeah, he's kind of been that that ball hawk that doesn't necessarily do it. You know, he's got the the, the run stopping and the coverage skills and the sure tackling. If he added some sort of pass rushing, then then you're talking about a guy like Antoine Winfield from Minnesota, sure. who kind of puts up these Derwin James type numbers with multiple pressures, multiple stops, and run defense, uh, and then great coverage numbers. But Mattel, he got it through coverage mainly is where his grade is coming from. Uh, not a lot of yards that he's allowed row in the middle of the field for them uh, and then that interception too so a lot of these guys in the secondary actually have been putting up much bigger numbers than you would anticipate from them you know for not necessarily being known as as at least from years past to have these kind of stalwart and, and star guys in the secondary you mentioned uh quitty pay earlier who's a really really good player what about the guy opposite of him uh uh uche yeah, Uche is leading them in, in total pressures. So they both have four sacks by our standards, but Uche has 22 total pressures. So we're talking 18 more, including seven hits. I believe that's that's a top 10 uh, number across the nation. Not a lot of pay- players have a lot of hits. I think only two have double-digit hits on the quarterback. So, you know, you, even against quick-passing teams or, even you know, obviously anytime you have Army in there, you're going to face, what, 34 passes a game. And so for him to have that many, that speaks it's, – it's he's very efficient in his pass rushing at less than 100 pass rushes, uh, I believe, as well. So to lead the team and not even lead the team in total pass rushing snaps, it's a, that's a pretty awesome testament to the op- guy opposite Pet, who's your highest graded player. Right, ex- exactly. Uh, all right, let's uh, get a little quick national 
uh, viewpoint uh, from you to this point. I want to get to uh, Wisconsin. When you look at Wisconsin, we know Jonathan Taylor is going to grade out off the chart. How would this Jack Cone grade out where if Wisconsin were to get into a game where they had to suddenly fall back on the pass game, what do the grades tell you? Cone is kind of he's actually the second highest graded quarterback in the conference. That's because Michael Penix is kind of still needing time to, to grade through high, higher than him there. Uh, he doesn't, you know, anybody that knows or watches Wisconsin, he doesn't really target the ball too far downfield. So he's allowing his receivers to kind of make those plays for him. He's allowing Cephas to do that uh, and go up in sky for those balls in the end zone, which he's been able to do. He, he's just efficient. He doesn't really negatively grade very well, which is honestly it's a welcome surprise because last year, if he was the full-time starter, he would have been the second lowest graded full-time starter behind Juwan Pass at, at Louisville. So it, this has been a, uh, a revelation almost for them to have him get this positively graded play and then avoid those big mistakes. How much does it help that Jonathan Taylor's become a reliable receiver in the pass game? Not just a runner, but a reliable receiver in the pass game. A lot. I mean, anytime you're gonna, anytime you add four of his career touchdowns through the air in one season, you're talking about something. But I think that they probably recognize that we need to get Cone some quick reads, but also have a reliable threat out of the backfield to be the checkdown. Even if you look to the checkdown first, if your checkdown is Jonathan Taylor. And I'm calling him Jonathan Taylor touchdown at this point. The new JTT <laughs> in, in America. JT, if you're looking at JTT as your check down, that, that, uh, there are far worse options, that's for sure. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. Uh, when you look at the LSU defense, which normally has been what they have hung their hat on for years, and then we'll get enough offense to win. Now the offense is ringing up points. It doesn't matter who they're playing. How's the LSU defense been? So I think the only time we've seen them really kind of struggle was against uh, was against Florida this yeah. past weekend. And uh, Derek Stingley, their true freshman corner, has been one of my favorite players and emerging talents to watch. Guy was actually like, beyond limiting of receivers. And you know Christian Fulton, who kind of took the stage of Greedy Williams last year, has already allowed more yards and coverage than he did all of last season. So you know both of them kind of struggling a little bit, but you know, in this last game, but they've been kind of locked down Stingley as a true freshman truly shut down Colin Johnson in their game against Texas. So they actually, they've got plus play, but they really haven't needed it. But the two corners are still guys that will make noise. I think Fulton in the NFL next year and then Stingley uh, in three years when we see him make that leap ultimately. Uh, Central Florida obviously has been the group of five team that has emerged each year because they're going to get a spot in the bowl game. This year it looks like the possibility it's going to be Boise. So when you look at Boise State and what and how they grade out. Where are the threats there? Curtis Weaver. This is a guy yes. on the edge. That's yes. 10 sacks Anytime you do that. I think the loss of Hank Bachmeyer at quarterback, even though a true freshman, it, that's a huge loss right. for them if he's out for an extended period, which I believe last report I saw he was. But it's Weaver on the defensive side of the ball. They have some solid guys in the middle, too. Uh, but Weaver, I mean, truly does wreck havoc. He's leading the nation in total pressures at this point, I believe, or at least he's second uh, in that on that list. But this guy also drops back into coverage quite a bit, too. So they recognize that he's a talented, truly talented guy that is probably better than anybody on the field at that time. So Weaver is definitely their, uh, their lifeblood on defense. I had a chance uh, while sitting uh, at Iowa, because Penn State played a night game, uh, to watch Oklahoma play Texas. And I walked away from that saying, you know what, Oklahoma... I think has remembered from decades ago that they can play some defense. 
How are they grading out defensively right now? I mean, they'll still give up some points, but how are they grading out defensively right now, Cam? They're they're an interesting case. I think I think the defense won them that game. Ultimately, yes. uh, they have a stout interior duo. Both Neville Gallimore and then Marquise Overton are two guys that truly are just these giant man-eating, space-eating uh, guys that take up double teams and really allow you to have to focus on both of them. But Jaden Davis, another true freshman at corner for them, has been and was their highest-graded guy for a while and actually one of the highest-graded corners in the entire Big 12 for them. He's been pretty incredible uh, in coverage, and he showed it again to him, Trey Brown, uh, all the plus grades in coverage, which is going to be important against Big 12 teams as they go through because they still have to face uh, my man Brock Purdy at Iowa yes. State, which may present their biggest challenge this season uh, left on the schedule. Yeah, I thought, Let me ask you about Brock Purdy. You really like him. What are the elements that he brings to the table that by playing at Iowa State maybe America's not aware of? It's He's got a cannon and he knows when to use it. He doesn't use it too often but I think he should. His arm strength is quick. He's got a quick release uh, but he's also this kind of shifty runner, and I think he's finally realized that and started to showcase that he's got multiple uh, games with multiple rushing touchdowns, including one of those moments where if it was a video game, I'm still trying to figure out what buttons <laughs> he hit to make his body do what he did. It was a lot of fun to watch him play. He just He's a, I mean, only a true sophomore, and if we didn't have Trevor Lawrence as a true sophomore as well, uh, the, the entire nation would be talking about Brock Purdy. Yeah. Cam, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Love to have you here to see my, the game this weekend, as a matter of fact. I think you'd really enjoy it. My pleasure. And it's it's on my bucket list. It's on the top five of uh, moments I want to see in college football. I crossed off Enter Sandman at Virginia Tech last year. I really got to get there for a whiteout, though. Well, when you do, we'd be more than happy to have you here. Uh, it, it'd be an honor. Thanks so much, Cam. Great work, as always. We really appreciate you. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cam Miller, Pro Football Focus. Matt McGloin, next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Matt McGloin, next half hour, newest member of the Penn State Sports Network and the newest member of New York in the XFL. Talk to him about the XFL and also what he's seen from Penn State football so far this season. That'll be Matt McGloin in the next half hour. Thanks to Cam Miller, Pro Football Focus, Dave Ritchie, Greg Wetzel, Zach Showers for joining us on the show today. Tomorrow, Brad Edwards from ESPN will join us. And Jack Ham. Along with, by the way, the King with Picks who's on a roll 13 and 1 last 2 weeks pulling away well that's what happens when you don't when you don't pick the dolphins yeah, very true i should have learned my lesson ah. never again You and I said that about the holiday party last year, <laughs> mingling with the suit. Never again.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Play came back at a penalty, didn't it? I'm just kidding. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. Matt McGloin in a moment. Our thanks to Cam Miller, Pro Football Focus. Who joined us for the previous half hour? Greg Wetzel, Dave Ritchie, and Zach Showers on high school football in the 3:30 half hour. Tomorrow, Jack Ham on the show, and Brad Edwards from ESPN Radio College Game Day will join us on the show, and then our picks tomorrow with the King. So that'll all be on tomorrow's show, and we thank the people who joined us on today's show as well. Check it on the Steve Jones Show podcast, and with that. We bring in my esteemed colleague working the sidelines brilliantly all season long on the Penn State Sports Network, and that is Matt McGloin. thought we were ready to go there, but I guess we're all set. We're all set. Matt, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, what's going on, Steve? How you doing? I'm doing great. First of all, congratulations on the XFL. Uh, and I know, so everybody knows, Matt told Jack and me a little while ago this was going to happen. But, Matt, I, I always give everybody credit that does whatever they can to keep their career alive. When did you think in your own mind that the XFL could be a viable option for you? Yeah, to be honest with you, um, ever since I heard they were going to start it back up. Now, uh, I, you know, I mean, and I told you this, you and Jack as well, I turned down an opportunity to play in the AAF. I, I turned down a chance to to continue my career in the CFL. Not that there's anything wrong with those leagues, but I just felt like that wasn't right for me and right for my career moving forward. But I felt like the XFL was right. And as I mentioned, ever since I heard about they were going to be starting back up, I kept my eye on it. I kept it in the back of my mind. They reached out to me. They were interested. And, you know, everything just kind of fit into place. Um, I, I mean, I was excited to to get back to work, everybody I've met that works with the organization is extremely excited. They're all doing a fantastic job, and uh, it just it feels right. And I feel like where I am in my career, and I feel like I've, I've made some pretty good decisions throughout my career. And uh, you know, this this feels right, and uh, I'm really excited about it. What have you done to keep yourself a in some semblance of game shape, but also keep yourself in some semblance of throwing shape? 
Yeah, uh, I don't miss workouts, you know, and that's... Oh, you know, that whether... that we know. In fact, we have to report back to your wife, yeah, he worked out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's just something that I've, I've always been like. I've always enjoyed working out. I've always enjoyed, right. you know, staying in shape. And, and I've, I've never transitioned from a football-style workout program. It's what I enjoy to do. And to be honest with you, it's all I know. <laughs> so right. it's the way I train. And, and like I said, I really enjoy it. And in terms of throwing the football, I mean, I love throwing the football. I love just just going out in the grass, whether it's on a field, going through drills, or it's even in the backyard. You know, I I just love throwing the football. I love being out there. I love being around the game. Um, And to be honest with you, being able to call the game, you and Jack has kept my mind fresh. It really has because I I try to watch the game differently, see what defenses are doing, and uh, it's been great. So, like I said, I appreciate everything you guys have, have done and have helped me out along the way. Well, okay, the next part is the New York part, Matt, and we appreciate the kind words, by the way. But uh, but when it comes to the New York part, it's not that far from Scranton. So what what does that element mean? Because there is a hometown feel to it. I mean, even to the point where the Yankees' AAA team is in uh, in uh, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Right, and, that, and and that's something I meant by it. Just seemed like it was a perfect fit in a great situation. You know, uh, obviously, I had a, a good career in Oakland, but at the same time, a lot of family and friends didn't get the opportunity to see me play, to to see me dress and contribute to that organization. So to be able to be back playing on the East Coast and to have family and friends make that short drive. To New York and to MetLife Stadium to watch me play it just gives me a completely different feeling. Um, it's it's a lot more motivating. It's more exciting, and and I feel good. I feel healthy. I feel strong. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I knew my journey wasn't over. My career wasn't over. And now to have this opportunity, couldn't be more excited about it. You know, I feel recharged, re-energized, and uh, you know, really focused. So I, I'm excited about it. It'll be a 10-week season that starts the Sunday or the weekend after the Super Bowl takes place. So between now and that opening game, what's the schedule they've laid out for you in terms of maybe a mini camp and then the full training camp? How is that going to work? Right, yeah, so I just spent a few days actually uh, in New Jersey where our you know facility, practice field, everything like that will be. I actually just returned home uh, today. Um, I actually had a good conversation with our strength and conditioning coach, so we're getting the ball rolling on that um, to do you know, what I need to do to prepare myself physically moving forward. Uh, in terms of playbook, I was able to have a few meetings over the past few days with, with uh, Coach Gilbride and his staff, and we can really get started on the playbook. And Now I can really pick that up and learn as much as I can without actually you know, practicing with the team. Um, but, but come December, December, there's no doubt I'll be able to, to hit the ground running once we start up. And, and as I mentioned, um, December is when we'll take the field December 4th to the 19th. We'll have an OTA-type minicamp style. And then January 4th, everybody in the XFL reports to Houston where we'll have somewhat of a training camp but also um, scrimmages as well uh, against opposing opposing uh, teams. So I guess you can call that our training camp slash preseason right. to prepare us for, for the season in February. So it's a quick turnaround, but uh, like I said, it's, it, it, it's really exciting stuff. Kevin Gilbride, of course, has been around the block as a head coach, but also as an offensive coordinator. He was the coordinator on the, the offensive coordinator for the Giants Super Bowl victories. 
What does it mean to you to be with somebody that's been around the block like that and has a feel for the game like he does? Well, the resume speaks for itself. (laughs) You know, a guy who has been around for a very long time, has has had an extremely successful career uh, in the NFL, and then, you know, when you hear he's the head coach of the team that you're going to be playing for, I mean, and as a quarterback, it uh, you can't help but but want to do everything you can to soak up everything he's saying. So I'm excited to become a better player, a better quarterback. I mean, a guy who coached, you know, Eli Manning for the longest time, um, yeah. and uh, you know, like I said, not have the opportunity to work with him and this staff that he has put together. Um, again, it, it, it's just really great. It's a great fit, and it seems like everything is aligning rightly. So yeah. All right, so now let's get to the next part. That's going to be the game this weekend because as much as Matt has thrown his heart and soul into getting back into the game, and, and we'll do that with the XFL, he's done exactly the same thing with us on the Penn State Sports Network. He's thrown his heart and soul into it. So let's get some observations from you. When you look at Sean Clifford to this point, you look at his footwork, accuracy, and so forth, what are you seeing from him, Matt? Well, he's night and day from week one, and I think we can all agree on that in terms of really taking a hold of this offense and then what Ricky Ronnie is trying to accomplish. And, uh, I mean, it's incredible to see it really has. And for such a young guy to make such a fast, you know, progression as he made, I, I mean, from snap one through the last snap of the game at Iowa, there was he, he he didn't get too high he didn't get too low everything he did was calculated he had a plan for everything that he was doing he needed to continue to do that this week against Michigan and uh, I mean the kid's hungry he wants to be coached he wants to play well most importantly he wants to win football games and that's everything you could ask for in your quarterback. When you play a whiteout game and you have you have started and won a whiteout game in your career when you play in one of those and I know it's louder when the defense is out there for obvious reasons they're trying to throw off the opposing offense do you have to channel emotion or do you have to feed off of it you know at any game I try to go into you try to stay focused you try to run out that tunnel focus on what you want to accomplish but there are games Steve that when you run out that tunnel, you can't help but look around and stand there and appreciate what's going on. Now, I mean, he should, Sean Clifford and, and the rest of this team should enjoy every single moment of pregame and everything leading up to that game Saturday night. But when that first ball is kicked off and that 15-minute clock in the first quarter starts ticking down, you need to dial in and you need to focus and you do try to do your best to ignore everything you around you and set out to win a football game. Um, you know, it's going to get loud. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, I mean, my first game was a whiteout against Michigan. You know, I can remember sitting outside the Lash football building before we boarded the buses to head over to the stadium. And I was just standing out there, sitting there, watching the stadium. You can hear the crowd. You can hear the music. You can hear the excitement. And that's really when I, I try to soak it all in, enjoy it. And, and uh but, I mean, it doesn't get better than Saturday night in Beaver Stadium and a whiteout crowd. It really doesn't. All right, well, let's flip it to the other side. Shea Patterson to this point. They are a 5-1 and one football team. And last year he did a couple of things. I thought where he actually hurt Penn State more with his legs than his arm. When you've had a chance, and there hasn't been many chances, but I know you watch tape, what have you seen from Shea Patterson so far? We were talking about a guy who's got a lot of games under his belt, and I think that's what they had to deal with last week with 
with Nathan Stanley. I mean, these guys have played a lot of football, and I think Shea Patterson is that type of guy who's an athlete. Listen, it's not going to be flashy all the time. He's not going to sit back there, you know, drive the football downfield and pick you apart left and right all day and all night, but he's going to make plays. He can make plays with his arm. He can make plays with his feet. You know, he's a grinder. He's going to try to grind out everything that, that he can, and I mean, he's well coached. I mean, Talking about Jim Harbaugh as the head coach there, and now Josh Gaddis as the offensive coordinator. I mean, the kid is going to understand the game plan. He's going to know what Penn State is doing defensively. And I think Penn State, honest with you, Penn State is, may have an easier time on Saturday night with Michigan than they did Iowa. But, again, Michigan's still a very, very good football team. Um, and, and, and they're going to be ready for this white. I mean, like I said, Gaddis is a former Penn State coach, so he knows everything to expect walking in to Penn State. Um, so there'll be no surprises for Shea Patterson and company on Saturday night. Journey Brown is a 100-yard rushing game. Uh, Devin Ford is a 100-yard rushing game. Now Noah Kane has two. Kane's the one everybody's talking about, obviously, with back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. So when you're down there at field level, and you're watching Noah Kane in conjunction with this offensive line and the tight ends. What are you seeing? I think he's your guy, you know, and I think it's becoming pretty obvious the way he's been able to perform, especially last week, um, putting his head down, getting yards. I mean, he, on the football field, I mean, especially for a young guy, he's so quick laterally. He understands where his linemen are blocking. He understands the body position, and he's able to run off that. To see that from a young guy, I haven't seen that that often. And I feel the same way about Devin Ford, an extremely talented running back who has played very, very well for Penn State. I mean, all, all of them. You know, a collection of running backs there that are all good, all have starter capabilities. But I think um, at this point, Kane is your guy moving forward. He's shown enough to me in the running game, and he's shown enough in the passing game and picking up blitzes and in protection to be your guy. You can trust him to go out there and get the job done. Matt, obviously you want to keep the, the football park going as long as you can. That's why you're going to go into the XFL, because you're going to do that. You know you still can do it. That's the key part. You know you can still do it. But for the future, what has this particular meant, a year meant for you to be a part of the broadcast team, but also do the podcast with Mitch Gerber and so forth, to get into that part of it professionally? Steve, I'm going to keep playing until you, you retire, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to come back and take your job. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I, I mean, I said, listen, I mean, that's why you earn a degree. And, I mean, I graduated a degree in broadcast journalism, and, you know, when you're in school, it's not the four years you're worried about, it's the next 40. You know, but I made a promise to myself a long time ago that I was going to continue to play this game as long right. as my phone was ringing. And, uh, I mean, you, you only get a certain amount of time to, to, to be an athlete and be a professional athlete. I'm very fortunate um, at the position I'm in and have the opportunity to play in New York. I think all, all professional athletes would love that chance to play in that market. And on top of it, and I think it's more importantly, um, you know, my wife and I uh, had a baby boy in February. So, yep. you know, um, my, my mentality now is that I want to go out there and, you know, uh, having him in the stands and being able, I know he's not going to remember it, but just knowing that he's there and having him watch me, it's, it's a completely different feeling and it's a very, very exciting one. Well, it's, we're, we're thrilled for you, and at the same time, we're thrilled to call you colleague as well. So look forward to seeing you on Saturday, my friend. All right, I appreciate it, Steve, as always, and I'll see you Saturday. Thank you. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you're going to do very well there. Thank you. Matt.
You bet. Matt McGloin will come back, wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Matt McGloin has been a spectacular addition to the Penn State Sports Network. He's done brilliant work, and Jack Ham and I have been thrilled to have him working on the sideline and providing the insight and perspective that he does. And I think based on all the feedback I've been getting, uh, the fans have really enjoyed having him down there. Now we get the bonus of watching him play again, too. And that's... that. And I think he'll. Do, I think he's going to do very well in the XFL. And I and I told him when Matt told us about this. And to be honest with you, Matt told us about this. I want to say a little more than a month ago. So I mean, it's not like it's not like you know, we were in the dark. I mean, we we knew. Uh, you know, because part of it too is you know he wanted to make sure he you know like the scheduling. I was talking about the scheduling. You know, so Kenny worked the last weekend of the regular season with Rutgers, yes. You know, can he work whatever bowl game Penn State's in? Yes. You know, because we were trying to, you know, we all of us wanted to talk over the three of us about what the timing was of everything. So, you know, so we've known about it for, for a month because, you know, we needed to know. And I just hope he does really, really well with it. But I'll tell you exactly what I told told him. I'll tell you now. I said, the XFL, I said, will be really good for you in this regard. Other leagues have been startups, and when they have, there have been checks missed, rushes to the bank to get there before a check is bounced, so forth. I said, that's been the history of many rival leagues to the NFL. I said, I know the XFL in its first entity, I told Matt. I said, lasted one season in 2001. I said, but... Every single person that that was involved with that league, from the custodian to the quarterback to the head coach, never missed a check. Everything was on time and in full. I said, with Vince McMahon behind it, I said, if I said you going to the XFL, I said you can guarantee that whatever you signed for, you will be getting. There'll be no. You know, we've had Rick Neuheisel on the show, and Rick telling about playing for the San Antonio Gunslingers in the USFL, and Clinton Mangus was the owner of the team, and they're trying to rush to the bank with their check because, hey, Sean got paid, Kevin got paid, Steve's check bounced because I was the third one in line. He said there was just that constant rush to the bank. He said, with the XFL, that's not going to happen. So that's another plus to it. There, you know, and not only that, I don't think we mentioned this, and I was going to bring it up, but I wanted to get to the Penn State-Michigan game with him. The, the New York team is going to be playing at MetLife Stadium, so they are they are playing at MetLife Stadium. They're not going to be playing at the soccer stadium. They're going to be playing in a baseball stadium. They're actually playing in MetLife Stadium, so they're going to get the big venue to play to play in. Now, naturally, of course, last week. Matt was uh, last weekend. We were at Iowa City and we we're out to dinner, and Matt was telling us that, "Hey, look, you know, the draft day is going to be Tuesday. You know, and I'm going to go to New York and the whole deal." So, okay, great. So that naturally, of course, 
the, the two shysters were sitting there saying, um, how about some tickets? Like to go to a game? Yeah. Well, so I, he said, I suppose you get some tickets. I said, no, you don't seem to understand. We want to sweep. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you're, you know, those years and years, 200 plus games with you and Hammer on the other side of the window, that's just the, you know. We just thought it was a simple request. Yeah. I mean, you are, after all, the quarterback. That's right. (laughs) It just received more of a silent, curious look. (laughs) Better to get it in now than after the first of the year. And one of of those, you two guys... Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.